Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Ignorance Is This, a podcast all about a different way of experiencing cinema with little to no knowledge about it beforehand. My name is Scott Martin, and sitting opposite me is Oliver Deer, the man who tastes good like a cigarette should. <laughs> it's me. I'm tasting real fine. And that was the ad for... Don't know. Fads? Is it fads? You know those... The cigarette-shaped lollies that are like they advertise it like it's a cigarette you can smoke for a kid. Pretty sure it was just like Winnie Reds or something, but <laughs> sh- but yeah, sure. We uh, we're going to be talking about the most brandest newest Marvel movie today. We're we're back on our bullshit. We're going to be um, going back to to season one era Iggy's and talking a lot of Marvel bullshit. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah, good. We've watched we've watched uh, Spider Man far out and away from home. Hell, where am I? Oh, I'm far. This was the latest and the final movie of Phase 3 Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is that correct? That is correct. One point to you. Yeah, people were concerned and confused why Spider-Man would be capping off the Infinity Saga after Endgame and fair enough too. After watching it, it's like, I guess it kind of does kind of talk about the uh, flip and the repercussions of some major characters who are not around anymore at the end of Endgame. So, yeah, I, I can see now why it kind of makes sense. Iron Man 2 was in before the Avengers, and then Avengers happened, and then Iron Man 3 happened, and that tackled, like, all the PTSD that he had. Yeah. And now they make sure just to keep it in the saga and then look to Phase 4 as brand new. Yeah. Like, that's that's it now. I, I think it works because... This one is kind of like saying this is what the world is like after the the massive event. So even though like the movie itself doesn't really cap the saga off, it caps off the re- the repercussions of the world. It's kind of like you've got episode nine Game of Thrones with your end game and your Infinity War, yeah. and this is just episode ten just telling you what happened afterward. But episode ten is normally seen in Game of Thrones as less good than episode nine because episode nine was so epic and the comparisons can still be drawn but i will say that spider-man was still really good but we'll get to that we'll get to that you've got something to say i've had a thought this week well watching spider-man far from home it stars uh tom holland as the new spider-man he's taken over from toby Maguire in the first trilogy of films and andrew garfield in the one and two nearly tried to be a trilogy until the second movie failed. They were certainly wanting it to be one, but <laughs> couldn't quite get there. They'll probably come back for a multiverse movie, though, won't they? It's, it seems inevitable, I reckon. You think... No, there's no chance. It's not It's not going to happen. It's too, it's too far-fetched. But then you think that the MCU is the biggest thing that, to ever exist. <laughs> so I, I still think that Tobey Maguire would be like, I want to be in on the biggest thing that's ever existed. So maybe it is a possibility. Yeah, exactly. So I, I reckon it's... I think if Tobey Maguire doesn't come back, Andrew Garfield will come back. Because they're like, he's recent enough. And, and there was a there's, a there's a little spoiler at the end of this film that implies maybe it could be tied back into the, the first trilogy. And Garfield definitely wants to like be in a Spider-Man movie that wasn't written by a bunch of chimps. Like he wants to, he wants to like prove himself as a good Spider-Man, and he was, I thought. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a shame then that the writing was so awful and the music was so awful, and so much about those two films were bad. He's going to come back and be like, "Yes, I want to be, I want to be proven as a good Spider-Man by the fact that it's the stuff that isn't my responsibility can be improved on." Calling it now, can we put money on it? that 
Andrew Garfield when he comes back and they all come back into the multiverse movie. There will be a reference similar to the first Deadpool movie where Andrew Garfield will tell Tom Holland and the others about his universe and the things he had to do. And they'll be like, wow, that was so unrealistic. <laughs> yeah, your, your universe sounds like really over the top. <laughs> sounds real bad. How much money you want to put on it? $68, $70? Hmm, I'm thinking somewhere in the middle. Um, anyway, <laughs> Tom Holland hailed as the new Spider-Man. A lot of people say one of the best Spider-Mans. What do you think of Tom Tom Holland? I think I think of Tom Holland as the um, as definitely the best Spider-Man so far. I think that he's um, he's he's the most comic accurate, the most believable Peter Parker that we've seen on screen. And I think that he is going to want to keep doing this for a long time. And I'm very grateful because. Yeah, it seems like that's going to be sticking around for a little bit. There are some talks of um, uh, Sony and Marvel details of their contract just came out, saying, and we're going to be releasing this in like three weeks from now. So this is gonna this is gonna be way old news. But the the contract seems to imply that if Far From Home didn't make over a billion dollars, Sony had the rights to Spider Man again. And then like I don't know why they think that's a good idea. Either of the parties think <laughs> think that that's a good idea, but um. It seems to have cracked a billion and it looks like we're going to actually keep Holland for a long time, which is great news. Yeah. It's it's funny how the MCU are like, okay, so apparently one of our rules is we can't, you know, we have to crack a billion with this film and all that people at MCU are like, <laughs> the fools. <laughs> of course it's going to crack a billion. Yeah. It's bloody Spider-Man and we know how to write movies. Same same rules. Let's make it two billion. I don't care. We can do it. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I really like these new Spider-Man films, and for the most part, I like Tom Holland. I think he's, I think he's fine. But I, I will say, uh, overrated. Scott just scratched his beard. He's angry. I can I yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I, I don't see it in his eyes. Now, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with Tom Holland. I think he gets a lot of hype, like just from from what I see on social media. People love Tom Holland. People like. They post little smiles of him, like, look at Tom Holland and his little smile in this gif. And I don't care for that at all. I saw a meme today saying, what's your dream job? And it was just someone, like, fixing Tom Holland's hair on set. Right. That that shit, you know, whatever. But, like, everyone's going to do that for heartthrobs. And he's literally a teen heartthrob. This is the bloody Bieber effect all over again. I just, I don't think, I don't know. I don't find him particularly interesting to know about. I think he's, he's, a, he's a normal kid or... I don't know. I think what it is, is that I've just seen too much of him as an actor. I've seen so much of his, him as an actor that when I watch the films, I just say, oh, there's that Tom Holland guy pretending to be Spider-Man. Like, I don't think, I don't think this is Peter Parker. I think that's Tom Holland, the guy that everyone online is absolutely raving about. And I was just thinking, why is it that I, I don't really believe Tom Holland is Spider-Man? I just think he's this actor. And I was kind of, I think it's, I think it's entirely because of social media. Think about Harry Potter, right? Would Harry Potter be the same if social media existed when those films were coming out? Or would have all those teenagers had phones and been like, we're on set again today of bloody uh, Harry Potter 3. It's crazy, guys. Like, here's bloody uh, Tom Felton sitting next to me. Hey, we're actually real friends in real life. He's actually not a bully. That is literally a bit. That is literally on the set of Chamber of Secrets, oh, yeah. or maybe maybe even the first one. There is a moment where it's a behind the scenes featurette on the DVD, and Daniel Radcliffe goes up to Tom Felton, yeah. and he's like, 
Yeah, and this is... Oh, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, and this is my friend Tom. He's actually Tom. He's not Draco. He's not mean. He's, we're are actually good mates. Like, literally exactly what you just said yeah. is a thing that I can reference. It's exactly what happened. We're not really enemies. We love each other, really. Yes. Yeah. I have Polaroids that I can show you of Tom. Shut that mouth. Shut that his hair, like, all spiked up. I, I think there's even, like, pictures of them, like, hanging out on the Quidditch set together. Like, they're in their Slytherin and um, uh, Gryffindor robes. But almost forgetting Gryffindor. <laughs> and we were we were yeah. so close to going to a Harry Potter quiz night today. <laughs> Gryffindor's not a good house. Anyway. Uh, um, but yeah, like, I, could, I can believe all of those kids as actors. I think of Harry Potter more as Harry Potter than I think of him as Daniel Radcliffe. Like, when people yeah. see Daniel Radcliffe in real life, they think Harry Potter. They don't think there's Daniel Radcliffe. I would not see Tom Holland in real life and think there's Spider-Man. I think that's Tom Holland, the actor. And, that, like, this is... It's the case for like a lot of actors don't like revealing things about themselves because they think it's better when you actually go to watch the movie. Jake Gyllenhaal, for example. I don't... Who? Jake, Jake Glykenhall, sorry. So just need to speak Scott for a second. Ah. No, 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 Jake Glykenhall. So that now he can understand me. Um, oh, now I understand. <laughs> <laughs> he... I, do, I try not to look at much up about him or watch his interviews because he, he doesn't do that many to begin with, but I don't watch them because I, I just... I like seeing him as his character. Yeah. He's a character actor. Yeah. But I think with in the case of children, they're going to be... They don't have the choice of like... Well, I, I feel like they don't really have the choice of staff social media. They do have that choice, but I feel like they wouldn't because they're kids and they just want to post like what's happening in their lives. So we always get to know what... And same with um, Stranger Things. I feel like I know all those kids now just because of they're online, they're in interviews, they're in other people's media. So like I just... I, now I just see them as... It's those kids, and oh, they're also in Stranger Things, I guess. Finn Wolfhart appears on like Game Grumps a lot, yeah. and I'm just I'm watching Stranger Things, going like, I oh, remember that time when he said that really like weird fart joke that was weird and funny. Yeah. Anyway, back to watching Stranger Things, and then I just can't <laughs> quite get into it as far anymore because I'm thinking about this fart joke. It just feels it like it's not self-aware. Stranger Things isn't self-aware. It, it's not meta, and neither is Spider-Man. But I feel like it is because it's these actors like. I feel also like Finn Wolfhard is now playing... He's a character of himself. Does that make sense? Like, he is pretending to be who he used to be as an actor. He has an idea of who people think he is, and now he's playing that. I don't right. do, you, do you mean, like, a, like a bit of like a... Not like a problem child, but like kind of like the snarky, talkbacky kind of... Thing. Yeah, it's like it's almost like he's playing a stereotype of himself, not or not not Finn, not yeah, Finn yeah. Wolfhard, but he's playing a, a stereotype of Mike the character. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Future projects from Finn Wolfhard. Keep an eye out and see if he continues this trend for the next twenty years. I also believe uh, Tom Holland is going to continue to, whether or not we like this is actually how he develops as a person or not. He will continue to play this wholesome, wholesome young boy like forever. He's always going to be like that. He'll be like that in interviews. He'll be like that in Spider-Man. Maybe he might not actually develop like that, but he's going to be like that because that's what he thinks people like him for. I don't, yeah, that's. I think it's just harder to believe him in these movies. I think it sucks that we've got an episode on, about Spider-Man and it's going to get a lot of downloads because it's the latest Marvel movie and everyone's already turned off with your shit opinions about <laughs> a, a really good actor that people like a lot. Um, no, he's, he's going to have other projects soon he's got a movie coming out with one of the other people from the mcu yeah. and I, I don't think he's going to be i don't think he would want to play 
innocent little boy anymore because he is 23, I think. I think he's our age. That's sad. Um, but then, yeah, like, he's not going to want to keep that idea up forever. It's the exact same way as bloody Danny Radcliffe doing Ericus after Harry Potter. He just wants to shred that image as much as he can. But yeah, I, I do see what you mean, though, where there are some actors that you look at and you go, I know this person. Yeah. For me, that's just anyone that I grew up with as a kid. Mm. So like Darren Chris, for example, I'm scared to watch Assassination of Joey Versace because I think I'm not going to be able to get into it, even though he's won all these awards. Yeah. He's just this guy that I knew from Glee. And then I saw all the stuff that he did in the past. So I feel like I've known him for a really long time. And then I'm seeing someone like, I don't know, just like someone super, super famous talking about how much they love that show. And I'm going, oh, that person now knows who Darren is. And like, but I don't think of him as that character. And I won't, I won't. It'll always be Darren. Any movie that he's in from now on will be like, oh, there's that guy that I like. (laughs) Yeah. What are some other actors? I mean, like there's uber famous people like Brad Pitt and and Tom Cruise. Like you're always just going to often see them as these stereotypes of who you think they are. Leo. Yeah, Leo. Although sometimes you don't know a lot about them personally. Like you know they're uber famous, but you also don't actually know them like, you think you know them, but you don't really know anything personally about them because they don't mention it in interviews or anything like that. If you have an actor that you think about this in the same way, yeah. let us know in the comments. Yeah. Let's move on, hey? Yeah. Let's talk about Spider-Man. Um, first thing first, the first thing that I've got here is that Metacritic has the movie at 69 out of 100. Very good. I hope it's the same across the board. It's not. <laughs> but that's because Metacritic is a bit weird with that stuff. Um, okay. I'm DB. What's... Probably seven. You know what? It's probably it's probably going to be seven point seven. Is going to be my guess. Spider Man, Far From Home, IMDb. What do you reckon? Uh, seven point nine. God, I hate IMDb ratings so much. Do you know what the um? <laughs> what did you say? Seven point nine. It's exactly seven point nine. Nice. nice. <laughs> oh, we shouldn't be playing Fruit Is a Cute. We should be playing <laughs> Database Is Data Great. Yeah. Do you know what the perception is of this? I know it's highly uh, it's well scored in Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It's in the 90s, I think. I think it's in 92 or something. Yeah, so initial thoughts. This could be my new favourite Spider-Man movie. Oh, yeah? Your new favourite? Yeah. Bigger than uh, Spider-Man 2. How good was Spider-Man 2? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. This is like because I like Spider-Man 2 a lot as a kid because I liked Spider-Man 1, mm. the 2002 directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah. And I just fell in love with the character so much. And then, going into Spider-Man 2, it was just way better budget, CGI, everything was perfect. Dr. Octopus was legitimately terrifying. It gave me two of my greatest fears. I hate needles. That was because of um, uh, that was because of some personal stuff and Spider-Man 2. Personal stuff, eh? Oh, yeah, well, do you want to talk about the it? Listeners want to know. <laughs> I saw a person that I very much love and respect, a family member, get the biggest needle in his body when I would have been, like, four. Um, <laughs> and it was, I think of it as the size of, like, a jet. Yeah. Like, just go- <laughs> going into my, my family member. Um, but, yeah, so the needle's going into his back when he's yeah. putting the thing on for the first time, and he gets knocked out of a window at one point. And then the glass is falling, uh, and it's a really close-up of the eye. Yeah. And the glass shard is, like, getting closer and closer. So, thanks, Spider-Man. This had an already established... Like, my expectations are raised, because it's 2019. Okay. CGI looks great. Yeah. And yet, it's this Spider-Man that I love. 
I love Tommy Holland. I love the way that Homecoming went. I love his introduction in Civil War. So I just had these high expectations. They bring in another high expectation. They get Glycanhol in. Yeah. Sorry, can you speak my language? They, I didn't understand what you just said. They they get bloody Gyllenhaal in, <laughs> and whoever that is, and um, they bring in a character, a villain, that is extremely recognisable, a real comic book favourite, and they take him out of an element like just the home ground. They take him far from home, (laughs) which is another like interesting setting. And then they just nail it, everything. Mm. The new locations, the way that they introduce the characters, the the twists and turns, I just thought everything was spot on. Mm. And I had such a fun time with it that I think that it might, in my opinion now, might be a little bit better than... Spider-Man 2, because Spider-Man 2 has its flaws and, like, stuff. This, I think, is, like, across the board, one of the best movies this year. Okay. Is, is Spider-Man 2's flaws just to do with, like, CGI at the time? Because I remember the story being pretty good. Yeah, the story was great, but there were things like the, the now iconic scene of um, saving the train full of people mm. and, um, like, there's a slow zoom in that's now become a meme because, like, Tobey Maguire's face looks all, like, weird as he's, like, doing a legitimately good job acting what that would that character would look like at that time and then everyone's like he looks weird (laughs) (laughs) idiot but then there's other things like his mask comes off a lot and there's like a lot of people that would know who he is and you know there's there's just some things that you you go out of and you're like how does this work now but anyway i think that this is great yeah i like tommy holland Mm. i like the new suits I just liked everything about it. I'm mad. I saw the trailer the other day, and I'm mad they have they show in the bloody trailer he's got the Iron Spider suit on fighting bad guys, but that's not in the movie. It's not in the movie, but that is going to be in a... Um, There's going to be doing a short film that's going to be on the DVD release of a lot of the cut content. Okay, I see. I know there was also a um, United Airlines special uh, fight scene with Spider-Man as a promo. It's, it's their new safety video. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's their safety video, but it's like, it's not Tom Holland. It's just because they can wear a mask, they don't have to have him. Yeah. So it's just Spider-Man fighting people. And then like, it will cut back to a news report where the airline pilot's like, and also do your seat up. <laughs> <laughs> also bloody sit down when we tell you to sit down. And make sure that you know where the exits are. And I swear to God, if you take our free peanuts, you better be paying for our drinks if you fall out of this airplane spider-man will not save you he's a fictional character do not believe what we're telling you in the safety video (laughs) don't trust anybody imagine if the the airline video was literally like guys here's the exits um this is the duration of the flight and uh if you do decide to um to jump on out of here don't worry spider-man's got your back and then all these people are like well, God damn, I want to meet Spider-Man. <laughs> Might just jump out of this plane now. <laughs> Tonight on 10, many people have jumped out of an aeroplane claiming to <laughs> claiming to be looking for Spider-Man. Uh, okay, so you your favourite actor in the world was oh, in this movie. Yeah. I was uh, a little... Dis- Tom Holland. Oh, oh no! Oh, I, I just made a big point about it. He's not, I don't really care, but... <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, Glykenhaal, for the, for you Scots out there who can't pronounce words correct. Yeah, he's he's my favorite actor. I was a little disappointed when I when I heard he was going to be in a Marvel movie, more because 
I thought he would be one of the few who just never did a Marvel movie because it's become a bit of a thing where some actors are purposely saying no because they don't want to be a part of the franchise. They just, you know, they want to be... They don't want... Because they know when they become a part of the franchise, they get a lot of um, people looking into who they are and stuff. Like, you know, they get a bunch of interviews. Like Leonardo DiCaprio, for example, not has not done a... Um, MCU film because he I think I think it's to do with like they want to keep their facade like we were talking about at the start of the episode they want to keep their he wants to sleep in polar bear's stomachs yeah, like in the yeah, revenant yeah but Jake did a good job I don't I don't think he was I think he well actually I'll just say Spider-Man is two for two for villains both great villains the Vulture in the first one and Mysterio in this one great villains I think spot on I don't think Jake gave the best performance of his life maybe it's just because I've seen him in a lot of other things I thought in this he was like kind of standard for how he was playing the character. But when you compare it to Jake, it's tame. But when you compare it to other villains in the MCU, it's it's much. He's, he, he seems to actually have motivation in this one and he's a bit of a weirdo. So I, I kind of disagree in the way that I think that he was excellent in the role because he was asked to bring to the table charisma and to keep it a little bit campy because... Mysterio is such a weird villain and he just nailed it. Like he couldn't have, I think he couldn't have done a better job yeah. given what he had done to compare this to that movie where he's on a train and he's all serious mm. in terms of like ability. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a different scenario. And I think that Jake really was like a top tier choice for this. And the story goes that after homecoming, Marvel said, who do you want? Like who, who's your favorite actors that, that you would like to work with? And the very first thing, on Tom's list was Glykenholm. Oh, cool. Um, so then they fan. then they just brought him in. Yeah. <laughs> he is a fan. He is good. He's good in it. I don't think he could have done better. I think it's just he's done other characters that have better been better yeah. written for, if yeah. you know what I mean. Um, but I, I think also I was having this thought more towards the start of the movie where he's kind of not doing much. He's he's more at the start of the movie he's just like, Hey I'm a guy, I'm a superhero, I I'm here to save the world and I'm a good dude i'm a hero so therefore i'm boring and i can't really yeah. like expand to be be silly yeah um there is a there is a twist uh it's not a twist it's well it's a twist no it, no, it, it, it is a twist but also you've got mysterio one of the a character who is a villain no. and then it's like hey this guy's a hero hey also spider-man needs to fight people here's the villain hey guys what if he's actually the villain all along? Like, yeah, no shit. Of course he's going to be the villain. He's Mysterio. Put Green Goblin in there, then make him his best friend, and then at the end be surprised when he turns out to be the Green Goblin. Like, no, that's not a twist. Yeah. The, I think it's a twist, more for the fact that I don't know who Mysterio is. I think you you do a lot more comic book uh, research and follow more comic book stuff, where I assume it's pretty common knowledge Mysterio is a bad dude. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. do you did you not know that Mysterio, the character, is a villain? I've never heard of him before. Uh, the only like when I saw that he was in the film, I assumed he was the bad guy, right? I assumed that was my first instinct, just looking at who, like what he looked like. He's a green man with an orb on his head. So good, by the way. The costume is yeah. literally spot on. They couldn't <laughs> have made that better either. Yeah, and, yeah. The costume's awesome. So I thought he was the villain. In fact, I saw in a Lego set, it was Spider-Man, Spider-Man fighting Mysterio. But then as I, I didn't, I think I caught like a teaser. I never actually saw, saw a full trailer. And it just seemed like 
him and Jake, uh, sorry, uh, Mysterio and Spider-Man were like friends or something. So from then on, and then when I started to watch the movie, I was like, oh, maybe he's a hero. Um, But there is something very off about him. I think they can't get away with people watching this film and not thinking there's something off about Mysterio. It's just like all their interactions are a bit odd. And this is my big weird preconception with the trailer or not having seen the trailer was that as the movie went on and I, I could tell there's something weird about Mysterio, I put together my own twist, what I thought was going to happen. You love doing this. You love it. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't mean to. I was just like, what's, what's his deal? What's his deal? What's, what's the clue? And then there was a couple of scenes like uh, uh, just the way him and he, Spider-Man and Mysterio talk together that I thought the twist was going to be that Mysterio wasn't real. And technically, spoilers for Spider-Man, that's true. Mysterio as a superhero is not real. It's a he's a uh, CGI hologram created by Jake Gyllenhaal's character uh, Quentin Beck. Is that right? Very good. Yes, ah. it is Quentin Beck using like literally a mocap suit, yeah. which I think is very funny, yeah. and um, using technology which has been shown in the MCU before that he said that he designed, and that's why he turns to the dark side because he's like sick of Tony Stark, particularly. Yeah kind of turning on him and betraying him and saying that his creation was actually Tony's. Yeah. I thought, though, that Quentin Beck and Mysterio were a figment of Peter Parker's imagination. Be- I wouldn't have minded it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> because I thought, oh, okay, so he's lost Tony Stark, who's his sort of father figure, or, you know, his, his male role model in his life. He's gone. He needs a replacement. He's inventing this Mysterio character. Out of thin air, because there was there was two my two claims of proof of this were when Nick Fury invites them down to have a little meeting in Nick Fury's super secret basement thing. Nick Fury puts Spider Man down, but then uh, Quentin Beck goes, "Hey kid, don't apologize for being the smartest person in the room." And I was like, "That's exactly what Peter Parker wants to hear. He wants yeah, to be yeah. told that he's really smart. He's just making this up." And then there was another scene where I think they're just alone on a rooftop talking together. And I kind of realized that no one ever really talks to Quentin, uh, Quentin Beck besides Nick Fury, kind of. And I thought, okay, maybe Nick Fury is also, I don't know. Maybe he, there's another twist there where he's not real. I don't know. And also in the first fight with Spider-Man and Quentin Beck, there was a giant ice, was a giant ice monster, water monster. Yep. Hydro-Man. Hydro-Man. Spider-Man suspiciously did nothing during that battle. Or like, and I thought that was very suspicious that only Mysterio was fighting him. So I'm like, ah, it's actually Spider-Man alone fighting him. And Peter Parker is projecting himself to not fight because... (laughs) So hang on. So you're saying that Peter was the only one there, obviously, since Beck is a figment of his imagination. But then Spider-Man himself or Peter is not physically doing anything during the battle much, like not landing any hits yeah. he's jump. he's holding a building yeah. I think is what he's doing in yeah. that scene he's trying to have a building not fall down mm. but Hydra Man is causing chaos and people are running around everywhere and it is slowly being defeated by a force so I thought Spider-Man was defeating it but Peter was pretending that he wasn't Spider-Man anymore and that he was just away from the fight <laughs> now that one's a stretch <laughs> Well I, I thought it was a stretch too I, That's why I thought it was a dumb twist <laughs> And it's good that they didn't do much This theory of mine sucks <laughs> Yeah. So all in all 
um, having not seen the trailer or any promotional material or not knowing who Mysterio was, I did think something was up with that bloke, but I did <laughs> not call the twist of what it was. Yeah. yeah. The twist is much simpler, is that he is actually a baddie and he's got a, he's got a vengeance against Tony and he wants something back and then he gets it and then he's bent on destruction. And it's a really cool scene where he starts like pointing at people and being like, Hey, you, do you remember that time this person yelled at you? And then it cuts to a moment in an earlier film from like 2010 where that scene literally happened and they got that actor back. Where like, it was a meme, right? That this guy just got yelled at for no reason. And people were like, oh man, this this sucks for this one guy. His only screen time is just to be yelled at by General Ross or whoever it was. And then they bring him back for this and be like, you're evil now, remember? Because of that bad thing that happened that one time? It's really cool and it's really smart. Um, it's a good way to, um, you know, to show love to the franchise. What did you think of new locations, new suits? It was, it was, Spider Man Two. You gotta, you gotta bring it up, baby. You got new things to show. I, I love that they went to London, or you know, sorry, all of Europe. I guess they went to many locations. I thought that was a great change in pace because a lot of MC movies, MCU movies, are just set in America, which is super boring. It gets, it gets boring. I think particularly with Ant Man, it's just like. It's in a city somewhere in America, and it's not interesting locations at all. Here's Baskin Robbins. Yeah. <laughs> so it was cool that they went to some scenic locations, and it was it was nice. Like uh, Venice, the Venice fight was cool. Like they can have a battle in the middle of the city, but it's in front of a riverfront and all that. It was cool change of pace. That and Quentin Beck were probably my, like my. I think that the movie did really well was scenery and Quentin Beck just being a. And his character and that that whole twist and everything, yeah. and I also liked the uh, the illusion scenes. They were nice, really well done. I think the first illusion sequence is quite literally now my favorite or second favorite MCU moment mm. of all time. Yeah. Did you play the Batman Arkham yeah. games? Yeah. It's the Scarecrow sequences. Yeah, yeah, the Scarecrow scene. And the Scarecrow sequences were taken inspiration from Mysterio comics. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this was like, yeah, it's perfect. The way that they have like the Mysterio like army walking at him. And then it shows like Peter's eye. And then Peter's eye turned into like an empty hollowed eye. And then it's Tony Stark being a zombie coming out of the grave. And it was, it was just mesmerizing how they did it. And then when it would cut back to the real world and seeing like what Peter was physically doing and how Beck was manipulating him. But then that was fake as well. Fury's there and then he shoots, but then he not there anymore. And then they do it again later on in the movie. And this is just as cool where Peter decides to take himself seriously and trust in himself and close his eyes and use his spidey senses, which in this film is called the Peter tingle. And he doesn't like that. That's another funny moment to like jump over all these obstacles and get to Beck and just outsmart him by showing like extreme good mental health. I'm thinking about this properly. Yeah, it's just cool, especially because the Spider-Man character in these MCU movies hadn't shown much of the spider sense, which is a big, big part of the character. And it's just not been really a thing. So in this one, it's developed and it is relied upon yeah and it's great i don't remember spider sense being a part of any of the recent movies it, i'm guessing it was but i just never noticed it what do you mean by recent movies like uh, all the, the amazing spider-man and the original trilogy he's got it in the originals i think like he, he says that he can feel it oh, okay. in civil war 
the first time you see Tom Holland's Spider-Man, there's no sign of it. Mm-hmm. In Spider-Man Homecoming, there's no sign of it either, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And in Infinity War, when he looks up and he sees the, the big alien ring, you see the, um, the hairs on his arm like prick up. And that was like kind of like the first indicator of it, which was only like 2017, so recently. Oh, yeah, I remember the, the pair pricking up thing. That was in every trailer. It was in the first 30 seconds of every trailer for that movie. So it was like <laughs> really like, hey, look, he's got it. And then in this movie, it's really expanded upon and shown to be finally a fundamental part of the character. Yeah, cool. That moment where um, Clinton Beck puts him in the illusion for the second time and he closes his eyes and runs into the darkness yeah. uh, blind into his illusion that was awesome that was a sick moment and all the sound cuts out and he's just running blindly this is definitely a movie that i want to get on blu-ray so i could just watch those two illusion scenes over and over i i would say i also really did like that illusion scene but i felt when watching it that i felt like the plot stopped and it was more just like okay we're just getting visuals for a while it's a comic book movie with a with a battle i know i know i i guess i just felt like it's something about dream sequences that I just don't really ever get on board with where I feel like, okay, this is all fake, so I don't care. Oh, okay. I, I just see what you mean by yeah. that. So, yes, it's really cool visually. And I guess maybe... I think you might have liked it more because you know it's all this is the scarecrow thing and it relates back to that. And I, I can get... When you relate it to that, I, I get why it's more cool. But when I saw it, I was just like, okay, he's trapped in an illusion prison and he has no control over anything right now. Yeah. So we're just watching a dream sequence, essentially. Um, I like it because it's the comic book come to life. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, do, is Mysterio in the comics... I assume it's not drones and technology and holograms. I, I thought, is it like gas or something? I think he does have gas, but not like Scarecrow gas. A failed actor, but gifted special effects artist. He turned to villainy when his lofty Hollywood aspirations passed him by. His first major act as a supervillain was to frame Spider-Man for a museum robbery with Beck portraying himself as a hero, oh. only to be defeated by Spider-Man instead. Vowing revenge on the web-slinger, Mysterio would end up becoming one of Spider-Man's most enduring rogues. So he's a special effects artist. Okay. Loves his illusions. So it essentially, it's essentially the same in the movie. I guess they just upped it with drones and stuff, and there's a, he's got a, like a team of people behind him. He's just a dude. I really like him as a villain. He's a unique villain, I guess, we haven't really seen before, besides the Scarecrow in the Batman series, which isn't really the same. Yeah, I th- I think he's he's really cool, and I would I reckon he can come back. Even though spoilers, uh, Quentin Beck gets shot to pieces by his own drones. He is literally riddled with bullets. A first in MCU, I think. I yeah, must be. Yeah, yeah. Riddled with bullets and dies. But obviously, the technology exists, and lots and lots and lots of holograms and three D rent models of Mysterio exist, so he can come back. If any character who is perceived as dead has the ability to come back in the MCU, it'll be Mysterio yeah. because of the... It's believable immediately. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a hologram. What we saw was his doing. He simply had an escape route and he chose to use it. Um, that would be great because I'm, I'm with you. I think that he's a, a fantastic villain and I would love, love to see Sinister Six mm. in the MCU. Get everyone involved. Bring in the Goblin. Bring in... They've already got the Falcon. They've... Yeah. Just bring everyone in. Give us a Sinister Six movie. He doesn't even have to be a Spider-Man fighting the gallery. Start off Suicide Squad. Show them getting together. It would be amazing. Mm. They seem to pick all the good villains. Like, well, 
the, I mean, the new the new two movies have picked great villains. The three original ones picked great villains for the most part, I think, as well. How did the amazing Spider-Man just be like, oh, what have we got left? Oh, Crocodile Man. That's cool. Okay. And we've got uh, Electric Man. Cool. cool. Electro and the Lizard are beloved, just so you know. <laughs> it's probably just the way Sony handled it, to be honest. But I feel like... I love villains when they're more relatable. Like things like the Sandman and the Lizard, they just like they're they're too otherworldly and just like we're big, rough, strong, tyrannical things. Whereas other villains like um, the Green Goblin and Mysterio, the Vulture, and a lot of Batman's villains, even though it's a separate universe, they're all like kind of based in reality somewhat. I like that. Well, that's why the um, the Vulture went off so well because it was the most human we've seen a villain in the MCU because you literally get to see him be a father first and foremost. But yeah, looking at the rogues gallery now, Spider-Man has ticked off a lot of like the most the most well-known ones. I'm thinking that maybe see Doctor Octopus has been done, Vulture's been done, Venom now has his own movie. Rhino was in the last scene of Amazing Spider-Man 2, so that's something that they could they could fix up. And the other one that I want to see is Scorpion. I think that the Scorpion's going to be the next major villain for Spider-Man. Ooh, okay. I would like to see it because he was my favorite when I played the um, I played the video game. Ah. I played the Spider-Man video game in, jeez, like 2005 on the PC, yeah. and I couldn't get past the Scorpion. And I was like, dude, this guy looks sick though, and he's super scary. So bring him in. Mm. IMO. Another one I just saw in that list was Kingpin, and I really like Kingpin. He's in, but he's in Daredevil. But I know in the comics, like Daredevil and Spider-Man cross over a lot because they're both New York superheroes. But Kingpin, yeah, he's a sick villain. Kingpin played a massive part in the video game as well. So people that like Spider-Man know that he's a Spider-Man villain as well. So that's completely possible. Yeah. It seems like all the really good superheroes that people love also have really good villains. People should learn that. Yeah. People should learn like Batman. I think has the best catalogue of villains ever. And looking at Spider-Man's ones, they're pretty cool too. Like, who cares about Superman's? I don't know. You've bloody got Zod. He's a man from outer space. And who's the big Justice League people? No one knows. Darkseid. Never heard of them. Never heard of them before Justice League. Because you never cared. But people that do care know these villains. But I do I do agree that Spider-Man... I think that Spider-Man's got the best rogues gallery in any superhero ever, followed very closely by Batman. I, I think that it's pretty far to say people like Superman that's been around since the 50s, they don't have a recognisable rogues gallery. They do. We just don't know them as much because we didn't care about that growing up. I would just imagine they have to make villains that are like equivalent to Superman. So it's just completely uninteresting. Like they're just, oh, they're super, they're incredibly strong. They're so powerful. You don't understand how powerful they are. Or it's, can, can this regular human being that has no superpowers take down Superman? You better believe he's got some kryptonite. So very possibly, and then that's every second villain as well. Like it's either the same power level or literally none, but they've got some kryptonite. One thing that I really liked about this is that they finally let Peter Parker be smart and tech savvy, where the way that they've shown Peter Parker in the MCU so far being a smart person is that he would reference pop culture things, like he would talk about old movies like Star Wars and stuff. And like, oh, look, he, he's a geek, haha. Yeah. But he is such a nerd in all these other, you know, in both the other movies he's shown as, well, in Amazing Spider-Man, he develops the web. 
which he does in this too, but you don't really see it as much because they're trying to skip as much of the origin as they can. So even something as fundamental as that, the way that he makes the web proves how smart he is. Because that's scrapped in this as they tried to basically skip the intro of the character, yeah. Netflix style, um, you don't really see that as much. And I was always like, give Peter a way to be smart. And at the very end, like he's so down in the dumps, he got hit by a train and he's woken up in another country. And when Happy finally helps him out, gets the jet to him, he Happy isn't a smart character. He's just a way, he's basically damage control. He just says like, yeah, there's there's a way for you to develop a new suit. And Spider-Man, uh, Peter, is grabbing it all together, putting it together, creating this suit himself by actually having the know-how on how to do it, which is good. Finally, Peter is like shown to be a smart person. And it seems, especially with all of the, like, they said it so much in this, like, you're the next Tony you're the next Iron Man, you're the next leader. He's like, I don't want to be the next leader, give it to Quentin. But it will be him. Spider-Man's going to be the driving force of the next phase, which is good because he is the number one most recognisable superhero in the world. He should be. And I'm glad that now they finally are able to do that because when they started in 2008, that's why they chose Iron Man. Um, So it's only right. But he's now following in the footsteps of Tony by being smart, but not a super genius. And that's good. It's yeah. still a point of difference, but he does have the know-how on how to do this, especially starting young. He's just going to get smarter and smarter and he will be Tony, but different in the future of the MCU movies. Good. Give us smart Peter. And they have. I never realized that the is default Spider-Man have robotic web slingers. Like it's not organic, not organic. The, Sam Raimi Spider-Man was the first to do that. Okay. The the first even out of the comics? I think so. Yeah. It was yeah, he wanted to show that the that the spider had genetically modified him. And that's why in the intro scenes it's literally like the DNA strands like yeah. going together and shit. So that's why they they made that. And it's weird and it looks weird. Uh, I'm a fan of the organic. It just makes more sense. I feel like cuz like only because if it's organic, then he's the only one can, that can have that. Anyone can have this web slinger power then. Anyone can do what he does. That's what I feel like. No. <laughs> so no one is as smart as Peter that they can make web slingers. No, they can make the... If anyone's smart and can figure it out, yeah. and they can like reverse engineer the... I'm pretty sure that would have happened. Yeah. Like They can make their own web, but they don't have Spider-Man's ability. You can't just say, I've... Because you know how to make the web slingers, you know how to swing. That's not something that would be super easy to do. And then being able to climb the walls and stuff, that's... Is is Spider-Man's only power that he can climb walls and he has a spider sense? No, he's got superhuman strength. Does he? Yes. (laughs) Oh, okay. In in the (laughs) Spider-Man movies that you've seen, there's a scene where he's having dinner with Mary Jane Mm. and then... a car a truck or something is about to crash into the restaurant because i think harry osborne's trying to kill peter yeah. and then he has the spider sense and he turns around and he stops a truck from crashing into mary jane he has superhero strength i promise you so could uh captain america could be spider-man he, he doesn't no he doesn't have the agility Who? <laughs> I'm trying to think of other superheroes with super strength. All of them have super strength. Mr. Elastic, maybe? Like, or, or whatever. The, Mr. Fantastic series, who I'm thinking of. I just think of 
of all the Spider-Man's abilities, the web slinger thing seems like his most identifiable. Yeah. That's why I'm surprised it's manufactured. And I would think, just technologically speaking, it'd be way harder to invent a web slinger than it would be to like invent wall gripping device. Tom Cruise had a wall gripping device. Could he be Spider-Man? <laughs> yes, he could. That's that's where we're going to end that. I think, yeah. yes, he could. Yeah. If... Tom Holland, God forbid, ever gets into a horrible accident, um, bring in bring in Tom Cruise. Did you know? Here's another Spider-Man fact for you: that after filming Spider-Man One, Tobey Maguire had such terrible back pain that he was going to not do Spider-Man Two, and they had cast Jake Glycanhol to be Tobey Maguire's replacement. Oh wow! That's true. Huh? That's interesting. And then some people say that. It was just Tobey Maguire's way of negotiating more money for Spider-Man Two, and Toby's a little bit of a snake. Yeah, I've I've heard I've heard he's weird. I don't know. I don't know what I've heard. The character that Mike Lucero plays in Molly's game is based on Tobey Maguire, and he's shown to be like a real dickhead. Okay. Uh, so it it could have just been a way for him to um, negotiate more money, and that's exactly what happened. So good on him. <laughs> uh, they they managed to not f- the trailer up by doing the one thing that could f- it up which was really revealing mysterious twist. They didn't show him being bad. Yeah. They did actually take a lot of a lot of care in the trailer, which is interesting, but um yeah, you're right. That is that is actually surprising yeah. that Sony decided to not f- this one up. Yeah. It actually the the impression I get watching the trailer now is like oh, he's a good guy that maybe will turn bad, but like He's entirely has good intentions because yeah. he seems like a good guy, and then you you know he's gonna turn maybe when you watch that trailer, kind of because he's he's shooting green stuff and looking powerful and stuff. I don't know. You you assume he's a villain, kind of. He does have a big a big fishbowl on his head, and you go, hmm, <laughs> that's something that a villain would wear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other reason this trailer was good is because it had a a little thing at the right at the start where Tom Holland comes up and says. Hey guys, don't watch this if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame yet because it has spoilers for that, which is a, a first. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would think that even something like Endgame came out a year after Infinity War and it was so big they didn't feel necessary to say, "Hey, there's going to be spoilers for the last movie in this one." But yeah, I think that that's really interesting and ironic that it's Tom Holland giving the uh, the speech because he's a bit notorious. Yeah. For, for revealing secrets in interviews and stuff from the MCU. Yeah. So, yeah, to, to get Tommy Holland on there and to say, guys, you don't want to watch it. You don't. Trust me. You'll be so sad. And then it just, okay, it's time for time for the trailer. Enjoy Far From Home. Boom. Tony Stark is dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was, it was pretty immediate. Like, the end of him saying that, that his bit camera, was two shots apart <laughs> from a... A shot implying uh, Tony Stark's dead. <laughs> but it's interesting, like, because the trailer is made by a marketing campaign and they want as many people to see this trailer as possible, that they actively had to put something in the trailer saying, don't watch it. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's interesting from a marketing standpoint, I guess. Our whole point is to get you to watch this thing. Yeah. Anyway, don't. Yeah, yeah that's, that is very interesting. That's a good point. I, I guess they'd cop more flack if um, they didn't put it and then they immediately spoiled the trailer. Yeah. 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 And... Maybe the marketing people at Sony 
are actually capable and they're aware of the possibility of spoiling things in trailers. Maybe Sony listened to our homecoming episode where we just railed the the trailer <laughs> for so for so long cuz uh yeah, that was awful. And yeah, I just I think that it's so ironic that the very first time that we get to sit here and discuss a trailer being taken such care of the property is a Spider-Man film from Sony. Literally yeah. I, I spoke about it last week. I made a joke out of it last week in last week's episode yeah. saying, yeah, the trailer's bad, but it's not bloody Spider-Man Homecoming levels of bad. And now it's them. I, I wonder whether, because if they, they outsourced the trailer to a company, if the company just felt so bad last time, they're like, oh man, we we spoiled everything. <laughs> I don't know if trailer companies feel bad though, because you see all these trailers, like all the blockbuster films spoil everything. So oh, there was one thing on the trailer that was... um. I guess a spoiled moment, which was um, MJ revealing that she knew Peter Parker was Spider Man. It's not a, like a massive moment. Well, I guess it's a, it's a big moment for him because he really doesn't want anyone to know he's Spider Man. It's the fundamental part of his character is that it's a secret, and that's now being found out in a trailer. I I think I'm a bit half and half on it because when I saw the movie, I thought, oh, this would have been cool to not know this, that MJ just figures it out. Yeah. But at the same time, like, watching the trailer did get me hyped, being like, wow, he's that careless that people can just, like, work it out. Yeah, right. And maybe it introduces this, like, oh, you got to set your expectations for this film that he's going to have to be on the guard for his identity again because she's figuring it out and that could be disastrous for him. And it is going to be disastrous for him because in the uh, post-credits it is shown that he is his identity has been revealed or maybe it's not maybe it's mysterio showing drones of footage that only peter can see where he thinks that his identity has been revealed and no one else i don't know i really like the twist by the way that um mysterio has edited a bunch of footage together to make it look like spider-man is because that, that, that's such like 21st century mysterio abilities yeah. Yeah. oh i can edit together things to misconstrue the truth <laughs> Yeah, just put my keyframes from left to right, uh, easy transition, star wipes, let's do it. One thing that I also want to talk about is that Nick Fury was a bit on my nerves in the movie yeah. because he's shown to be such a like capable and extremely intelligent professional. And in this, he doesn't figure out that Mysterio is whack yeah. and he, he just didn't seem right. But it's revealed in the post credits that it's literally a person pretending to be fury so well sorry a scroll pretending to be fury yeah. so even what i thought was like bad writing had a reason and i was like damn this thing that annoyed me was actually good yeah. the whole time <laughs> and the implication is have they been scrolls for how long yeah yeah, yeah there's a, there's a theory that fury that some movies fury could be a scroll and some movies that he's not but there's reason to believe that Maria Hill has never existed. It's like that has always just been a yeah. scroll in a human's body, uh, just grabbing bloody Robin from How <laughs> I Met Your Mother, and it was like, I want to take that body, and then using that. But yeah, so this has big implications for the rest of the MCU. It looks like that we can't trust any character anymore, and um, I think that the scrolls are going to play such a larger part since that was the final tease mm. of the final film in a phase. That's the end going. You thought that this guy was this guy. It's actually not. So they're going to be sticking around for the next phase and that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, cool. Um, all right, let's move on to a new topic. Oh, no, we need to give our ratings. What do you think? 
Um, I think I like the film. I'm not as enthusiastic about it as you because I, 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 I think it still had... Just for me, it was still stock standard Marvel for the first half anyway. I think the second half was really good. But I like it. Uh, I'll give it distinct a low distinction, but I just don't share your enthusiasm. High distinction. Bring back Glykenhole and give me a Sinister Six movie. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Uh, that was a really long discussion, so we might have to keep this game brief. But uh, that's good because um, we're, we're switching it up a little bit. Longtime fans of the show would know that Oliver is normally the recipient of the Rotten Tomatoes, The Fruit is a Cute Game, but fans of the show would have heard last week's episode in which we spun that bloody on its head. And we're going to be doing that again today. Season 2 is whack. It's absolutely wild. I am going to be presenting Oliver a, a game of critically acclaimed or critically lame. Bloody explain it to the listeners. Tell them what it's all about. Okay, so critically acclaimed or critically lame is... A game that we play on the show in which one of us, not just Ollie now, one of us presents the other with two films and gives a very vague description of what it's about. The other person needs to decide whether it is one of the highest rated and most critically acclaimed films, you know, got a big Rotten Tomato score, or it's absolutely atrocious and nobody ever liked it. Maximum 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm going to be presenting Ollie with two movies. Are you ready to play a video game with me? I'm ready. I've never been the recipient of this game. I'm going to have to work out your riddles, mate. Okay. So, movie number one. Mm -hmm. A highly strong news producer finds herself strangely attracted to a vapid anchorman, even though she loathes everything he personifies. To make matters worse, her best friend, a talented but not particularly telegenic news reporter, is secretly in love with her. Hmm. You thinking? Oh, well, my instinct is to say Anchorman because that's the only TV show or t- movie I know with news reporters. But I've... give me that. Give me that next one. Give me that. Next Perhaps one. Anchorman. Who know? Okay. Movie number two. Adam, a rising star at a global tech company, makes an innocent but costly mistake, causing the company's CEO, Mr. Wyatt, to force him to find trade secrets of a rival company, the CEO of which is the former partner of Wyatt. At first, Adam finds the assignment like a clever game, but when he needs to get out of the situation, he learns that each tech titan will each go to shocking lengths to protect their secrets. Hmm. (laughs) He thinking. This is interesting. I can see this as a... you know, new movie and the the cover of the movie is against a white backdrop and it's like two rival men like staring angrily at each other and then a guy in the middle doing like a shrugging shoulders like, what am I doing here? How do I get up in all this mess? Uh, I'm thinking like, my initial thought was the intern. I know the interns or whatever it's called. That's about Google, being interns at Google. But I think I've given you that one before. I think you have as well, yeah. Hmm. And your TV reporter one. Uh, I like how you also given me the names. You didn't like. Uh, you didn't like sense the names because it's clearly something I would not know the name of. Well, I did try to give it. Do you mean names of the characters? The of the characters. Yeah, I I tried to rewrite it to work. I was like, man, a no, that doesn't work. Um, a a tech company rising star get um annoys his CEO and then has to get secrets from. Another CEO, which is actually the friend of the original CEO. I was like, I can't write this and make it smooth. (laughs) 
But I feel like that other one is probably like a um the the one about the the TV reporter. That feels like like it feels like it could be a rom com, but it also feels like it could be one of those classic romantic comedies or just a romantic film like a not how like harry met sally but maybe in that vein uh you know maybe they go on news reporter and then he admits live that he loves this woman or something i don't know could be who knows could be anchorman (laughs) (laughs) you really want me to think it's anchorman i can't i couldn't say what anchorman has on rotten tomatoes um i'm gonna say i will bloody say i reckon that the Tech Company one is the critically lame film and the other one's the critically acclaimed film. You are correct. Yes. You are absolutely correct. Um, the critically lame film is a film from 2013 called Paranoia. It stars Gary Oldman, Liam Hemsworth, oh my. Harrison Ford, what? Amber Heard. Uh, yeah, it's got 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's bad. You were right about it being um, on a white background. <laughs> but yeah looking at it now though it it's it's not the comedy that i thought it would be <laughs> it's more of a it looks like a thriller it, it is an action american action thriller i saw a review on rotten tomatoes that it was a top critic and the whole review was just corporate thrillers just aren't what they used to be <laughs> i was like that's brutal just put it in one word just be like yep bad (laughs) implying corporate thrillers wherever really (laughs) it's weird how harrison ford barely does any movies anymore but like you know you you could say maybe he's selective but he chose this steaming pile of poo (laughs) he got roped into a movie with the the hemsworth brother that only australians really know and people that aren't australian just know him as the husband of uh, miley cyrus okay so the uh the critically acclaimed movie then the um anchorman parody was a movie from 1987 called Broadcast News, and it's got 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Such reviews as Broadcast News offers a breathless, behind-the-scenes look at TV journalism, and in a film tracing the endless battles between style and substance, Brooks delivers both in abundance. Yeah, so... Mel Brooks, is it? Uh, James L. Brooks. Yeah, this this looks like the kind of film I was imagining. Like, it kind of looks... It's 90s or uh, it's late 80s, it looks like, but, like... Like a romantic film that's just a romantic film. It's not necessarily a comedy. It's just like a yeah, yeah. It's it describes itself as a um, just a drama film first, and then drama comedy. It's not it's not a drama film, and also a comedy film. Yeah. It's drama and drama comedy. So it's a it's a tinge of comedy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I heard about that, and I thought that's a great example of like such a um, a basic premise of a of a movie that's actually like incredibly well executed. Just these guys are in this office and there's a bit of a love triangle going on. That could be either extremely terrible or extremely good. And there we go. That's true. It could have, yeah. I could easily imagine this being terrible. Like they go on the news report and they're like, we're compete, they compete for a love like live. Like this just in, I bloody love this woman in our office. And then he gets on the weather and he's like, I predict that I have feelings coming in this afternoon. It's got a stat cast as well. It's got um, Jack Nicholson and Joan Cruzak in it. I bet Jack Nicholson's a baddie. Well, I mean, when you've got a face like that, you, you've, <laughs> you've got to work with it. It's also got John Cruzak as well um, in a role that I imagine is, yeah, it looks like it's not named. 
angry mess <laughs> is what it says here. Uh, I imagine angry messenger, but no, just angry mess according to Google. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, critically acclaimed, critically lame. That, uh, good job, Ollie. I can't believe you actually did it, and that took me a long time to find those movies, and and it was all for for nothing for me. <laughs> well, that's that's how I feel every week, and I turn my synopses into haikus. Think about the extra effort there. I did remember that we did that once, and then I thought. I don't want to do that. That's too much work. We didn't just do it once. We did it every episode following the first time. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, News producer finds. (laughs) Okay, he's actually going to do it. Attraction to Anchor Man. That's seven. Okay. Other guy likes her. Yeah. Easy. (laughs) All right, cool. Oh, man, this is super easy. Okay, paranoia. Um... Liam Hemsworth is overrated actor. He loves Miley Cyrus. Done. <laughs> that see that would just fool me. I'd think it's like his him and Miley Cyrus's romantic comedy film. They're in a ro- are they in a romantic yes, comedy film? Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's that. I think that's where they met. Ah. Okay. Makes sense. Or maybe not. Okay. That um. That brings us to another end of another fantastic episode of yeah. Ignorance is This. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you liked our review of Spider-Man because I was waiting for that movie for such a long time and I'm glad that it's good. Yeah, your favourite superhero, I'd argue. Yes, I would argue as well. Yeah, I do love my Spidey. No, he's not your favourite superhero. Now argue about it. <laughs> um, I like Swing Web. No, you don't. Oh, I like Hold Wall. No, you like holding dick. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Okay, time for the plugs. Guys, if you want to get in contact with the show, head over to Facebook and search for Ignorance Is This Podcast or you can just go to facebook.com slash Ignorance Is This Podcast. Chuck us a like, chuck us a comment, chuck us a DM. Go to Twitter, do the same thing there, except it's not a comment, it's a reply. <laughs> Twitter.com slash Ignorance Is Pod. And uh, send us a lengthy email. We want your hate mail. Uh, ignorance is this podcast at gmail.com tell ollie why he is wrong for not liking tom holland we want to know your thoughts and we want to see how angry you can get because now i live with ollie i can see if the hate mail actually affects him long term and that would be interesting to find i think i am a messiah for the people I <laughs> wow okay i think i've opened the i've opened the door to allow people to step inside mm-hmm. into a comfortable zone in which they too can express how Tom Holland isn't the Lord Jesus Christ we think he is. Time for haiku. Stop reading my haiku. He's looking right at my haiku. <laughs> I'm staring blurry-eyed at your notes, just being like, What's, what, what have you got on your laptop? And I'm not thinking about that we're still in the middle of a podcast and you've got notes on your screen. Ollie's not got his glasses on. Did you actually manage to read any of that? No. Okay. I, I can I have to get very close to screens in order to read them? If I was a human being, I would simply have twenty twenty vision, and and not be forced to spend like three hundred dollars on a pair of sunglasses. Okay, time for the haiku. Music to my ears. The greatest man. Get me pictures of Spider Man. <laughs> you made it rhyme. So good. I rhymed man with man like a true genius. <laughs> I'm basically Drake now. Good night, Australia. Bye.